brought to you by Brass and Unity. We make wearable conversation starters. Our new buddy check packs are available now. Grab one and check on one of your closest buddies. They may need it now more than ever. Go to brassandunity.com, use the code UNITY and get 20% off. And let's all heal together. And brought to you by Combat Flip Flops. Bad for running and even worse for fighting. Combat flip-flops are your ticket to the unarmed forces by providing you with military-inspired quality footwear for men and women. To help support the podcast and in support of women in developing countries, head over to combatflipflops.com and become a part of their unarmed forces today. Be sure to use the code UNITY at checkout and get 25% off. And brought to you by GFDA. Good fucking design advice. The voice in your head and the foot up your ass. GFDA makes prints, drinkware, and apparel for people who want to do their fucking best. Go and use the code UNITY and get 10% off now on anything on their site, including our collaborative product, Fucking Help Somebody. And brought to you by Daisy May Hat Co., the custom hat company based in Nashville, Tennessee. They make custom one-of-a-kind hats from wide-brimmed fedoras to cowboy hats. All of their hats are 100% beaver felt, and it's the highest quality hat you can get. They also have the coolest shirts ever. You can use the code BRASS at checkout for 15% off your entire order. Go and check out daisymayhats.com. Embrace the fever. Live the dream. And brought to you by American Yogi. In a world increasingly driven toward the grind, find your outlet for peace. American Yogi is a mindfulness-based apparel and wellness brand with international retreats, free classes, and rad clothing and accessories to support you along life's journey. Find American Yogi on Instagram at liveamericanyogi or at americanyogi.com. American Yogi is proud to support the Brass and Unity podcast and its community with the code BRASS15. Join the mindful counterculture. Live American Yogi. Zachary Babcock, the host of the Underdog Empowerment Podcast. You and I linked up on Instagram. I used to hate social media. I'm starting to think it's a huge tool and it's really working in my favor. Thank you so much for being on the show. You are so fucking cool. I've learned about you a little bit. And I can't wait for our listeners to kind of get to know who you are. Well, thank you for having me here, Kelsey. It's a, it's an honor. And I had a blast with you on the podcast just a minute ago on, on my show. So I'm excited to, to rekind, uh, keep that flame going here for this show as well. Yeah, man, I think you're uh, a really interesting individual. You kind of caught my attention. The first time I got an email from you, I got a cold email from you. And this was the most dialed out, serious, legit. I'm here. I'm not fucking around. Pay attention because this is who I am email. And I was reading this. I'm like, this guy's impressive. Looked you up on uh, social. And I was like, wow, you got something going on here. And not only that is you've been a person who's experienced some serious shit in their life. And you've really turned that around, used it as an opportunity to grow into what you are now. So why don't you start with a little bit about who you are and why you are where you are now? Absolutely. And I appreciate all that. Thank you, Kelsey. Um, I'll keep it super short, right? If, uh, if you want to get in, go deeper, we can always do that as well. But a uh, high level cliff notes version, um, Grew up in psych wards, detention centers, juveniles, boys' homes, all that good shit. I uh, had a lot of trauma and shit going on growing up with all that. And then I graduated to prison, did over five years of my life in prison. And then I turned my life around when I went back to prison, just 20 days from my twin sons were born right there in that jail. So I said, I'm fucking done. I'm heading in a different direction. And uh, since then, I started heading in a different direction. Um, you know, I... I built a very successful business uh, in a short period of time. 
my it was a four four year overnight success, right? <laughs> because everybody Always. wants to call it an overnight success. Four and a half year overnight success, but uh, um, I did everything that they said I would never do, and it and it still wasn't enough. And I found I realized that hey, there was a lot of shit going on. Uh, the reason why I felt that way from my childhood and a lot of other traumatic events. And so I recently started doing that and been becoming the best version of me and uh, just really happy and excited to be here today. Well, I think your story is one that needs to be told and screamed at because it shows that you can literally go from being in a system <clears throat> that treats you like a number to realizing that you can be more than that. You can take those tools and you can not only teach others from it, you can learn from it yourself. You can do the work. And I think that's really what's great about you. So how does somebody that young end up in psych wards and into a prison? Yeah. Um, bad decisions by parents. <laughs> mm. No, um, I'll be honest. Uh, I, I'm not the type to just bag on my mom because she, she was she was an excellent mom in many ways. But there was parts where she did drop the ball and she didn't show up for me. Um, and, uh, you know, as a kid, you know, that's something that you can't control and have no power over. But like you said on, on my show, you know, as you become an adult, you do have the responsibility to own it and go and, and heal that shit. Right. But um, how did that happen? I was uh, my dad died when I was seven. And I didn't re I remember in that moment when my dad died, when we, we went there that night and he got in a crash <clears> and we went there the next morning. And um, they told us that he died. And my sister, she's 10 and a half. I'm seven. She's three and a half years older than me. And uh, we're sitting there hugging my mom and my sister's like bawling her eyes out. And I'm sitting there and I didn't know it at the time, but I'm disassociating from it. Like I'm like icing it all out and numbing it, not crying. Just like, like almost like I left my body. It felt like it's weird to explain, but totally disassociating. And then that pattern continued for a long time in my life, decades of of the disassociation but um so i didn't really deal with that and at that time we had just moved to from a nice neighborhood to ferguson missouri which is not a nice neighborhood and i was getting bullied uh new kid and all that stuff and i'm trying to go to my dad to figure out like how to how to what do i do you know i don't know what to do and um and then all that shit happened so anyways long story short that from seven started this whole spin uh downward spin or whatever just spinning out and just a lot of bad shit happening. And uh, I was smoking weed and wouldn't go to school because they told me I had ADD, ADHD, all this shit. And I couldn't focus and I was never going to amount to nothing and all these things. Right. And um, and I, w I quit going to school and I was smoking weed to numb myself uh, from, from all this stuff. And uh, my mom put me in rehab uh, before the courts ever got their hands on me. She was doing that you know, with the intention of doing what was best for me, but that wasn't what was best for me. And then of course I got kicked out of there. I'm nine years old in fucking rehab. So I went and fought a 13 year old, the next youngest kid in there to try and like, you know, to, <laughs> I don't know what I was doing. I think I was doing it to like, to like try and like stand out and like look mm -hmm. cool or whatever. But, um, they recommended that I go to a psych ward. My mom went ahead with that. And, and she thought she was doing what was best for me. That's the worst thing that she could have possibly done for me. Uh, I feared for my life 24-7 in there. Like, it's everything, like, you see in the movies and worse. Like, the staff are screaming at you and abusing you and abusing other kids. And the kids are either screaming, horrified, or they're in the corner, like, laughing and shit. And, like, you're getting all these fucking drugs given to you and then woken up in the middle of the night with needles in your arm with them injecting you with God knows what and taking your blood and all this shit, man. And that really fucked up my, uh, my, uh, 
fight or flight response. Like I lived in a constant fight or flight response from like that moment on until decades later, until I started learning how to like calm myself down and shit and go and actually do the work to healing that shit up. That's really unfortunate to hear. Um, I've heard stories from psych wards, uh, I'd say survivors, individuals who have been in them. We had a F-18 Super Hornet pilot who uh, has the fastest ejectional in naval history. His body hit the sound barrier and broke everything from like the neck down, survived and came back. And he actually spent time in a psych ward because they that's what they did. They just, they put people in psych wards if they're, they don't want to take their medication, they're non-compliant. So they'll do time in there. And the horrific stories he told me about the treatment to adults, let alone children is, is, uh, outdated, disgusting, and horrific to say the least. And I'm, I am very sorry that that was a situation for you because that's the most formative time for anyone. Your brain is making the connections. Your, your brain is saying these are normal signals. And when your body says, this is acceptable to be in this fight or flight state like this. It's it's going to make your life way harder than it needed to be. And I am I'm truly sorry to hear that happen to you. Um, I do also think we are some of the things that happened to us and how we view them, right? And then that's a your testament to that. Could really could have allowed that to break you very easily. So after a psych ward, you move into a prison system. And I'm assuming you were quite young going into a an all-male adult serious offender prison i mean that itself must have been horrific on its own yeah graduated to the uh to the adult system at at 17 uh when they emancipated and all that stuff when i caught those cases but yeah i was going through juveniles and detention centers and all that shit all throughout like my my youth or whatnot um but like you said like even those experiences and and the prison and all that shit like and I'm pretty sure you can relate to this with your own experience. Like I went and take none of that shit back. Like I'm going and healing that part of right. part up now, but that doesn't mean that I lose like the power that I gained from going through that shit. Like right. it made me resilient as fuck, you know, and I'm grateful for it, you know? Um, so yeah. It's really frustrating when I hear about grown adults abusing children. Um, I think, Frustrating is like probably like a minor word to use. I think there's definitely a more extreme version of that. I, I struggle when any individual utilizes their power to abuse another person, whether that's in a facility, whether that's in society or life, uh, power dynamics, they're, you know, they're obvious they're there. But when people do that and really uh, take advantage of children in particular or young adolescents, and I think it's on the ownership of grown ass adults when they sit there and say things like you're never going to amount to anything. There's a ton of teachers, a ton of teachers who I know have told children, you're never going to amount to anything. You're never going to be successful. You might as well quit now. The onus is also on these grown ass adults who are teaching our children and are working in these facilities. I get things are difficult when you're around people that are hard to be around. But most of the time, if people could just educate themselves enough to understand that somebody is hurting and that's why they're acting out, but because something happened to them, if they took two and a half seconds, instead of being assholes, and projecting their own bullshit onto kids and saying, hey, you're never going to amount to anything. They're saying that because that was probably what was told to them. They weren't yep. taught any life skills. And so to see them in these facilities, in these places where they're supposed to be helping shape minds or they're supposed to be helping others stay out of trouble or give them any sort of hope for the future, that, you know, that irritates me the most because those are grown adults, like I said to you on your show, who are bleeding on others because they're unwilling to go deal with their shit. And I, 
It's just, it's so infuriating to me. But like you said, you wouldn't take any of those things back. It made you resilient. It made you who you are. And I think that's the takeaway from that is you can go through very, very difficult things. It does not have to be the end of you, all of you, or what your next chapter in your life will be about. You can choose to make it something else. So when you go through a prison system like this, and like you said, um, you, you, you know, um, kind of said earlier was you went back in a couple of days before your twins birthday. Was it, you said, so yeah. why, don't you, why don't you walk me through that? Yeah. So I, I had already done, um, close to five years of my life total. I did, did a little bit over four years stretch. And then I got out, uh, at age 23 and, um, you know, good intentions, um, was doing good. Uh, was drinking socially, but, um, wasn't doing any drugs or anything. And, um, and I, I was working at a bar grill at the, at a, as a, as a cook. Right. Well, then I got this job at this clothing store because I would shop there all the time and, uh, and, and got a, got a job there, crushed it, uh, did 3000 one day on a six hour shift. The whole store did 9,000. And so they gave me a promotion because I was one third of the whole store operation. I only worked six hours that day. And so I'm like, on fire on top of the world. I'm like, yes, you know, I'm finally putting my past behind me. I'm getting a decent job. It's not under the table as a barn at a bar and grill or some shit. And it's in sales, which is shit that I've always thrived in. I've always gravitated towards sales jobs as a kid. And, uh, I was really fucking excited. Well, two days after that, they called and said, Hey, you know, you're a convicted felon. You got to kick rocks. So in that moment, I chose I didn't, I, I chose to throw the towel in and feel sorry for myself, which I could have chose to kept going forward. But at that moment I didn't. And, um, I just went in a tailspin, became an alcoholic, raging alcoholic, like really, really, really bad alcoholic. And, um, and at that time also, uh, uh you know, got Stephanie pregnant and, uh, ended up going back 20 days where they were born. And my whole life, man, I couldn't wait to be a dad because I didn't have a dad growing up. That was something that I really, really missed growing up. And like, I would, I remember like, dude, just like playing football and then like all my friends' dads would be at practice and shit. And then I would just like try to imagine how that felt having a dad or having some dude that would show up for you, shit like that. Um, so yeah, I couldn't wait to be, be a dad. And when I, when I woke up from that, from, from being obliterated from the night before, uh, and in the, in the jail cell, I was like, holy shit. And found out that I wasn't going to be able to make bond or anything. Cause I got a parole hold and they're sending me back. That was like getting dipped back in the grease and that shit burns so much that you jump out. Right. That's, uh, the way I put it was like, I'm done. It was so much pain, the worst pain I've ever experienced, knowing that I wasn't going to see them get born to help me change my paradigm on life and just move into a different direction. It's really, again, that's a frustrating thing to hear because that sounds like that was a failure failure of the system to allow people to fucking progress in their life. So you were doing a great job. You were working in a space, you were changing your life and you were succeeding in it. But because of past, because we, depending on the felony, especially in America, you're unable to get a job almost anywhere. That's where things are fucked up. You expect the system accept, expects people to come out and start thriving. But how? When you've taken every life skill, every tool, every opportunity to become something bigger than themselves, and you've said, nope, because of your past, when you were young, when you were um, uneducated, you didn't have the support you needed, 
that's going to define the rest of your fucking life. And that right there shows the perfect example of what happened. You were succeeding. You were thriving. But because somebody yeah. decided your past could, could ruin their future, they refused to allow you to work in an environment where you were of no danger. You were doing something great. That's just, our systems are, um, I mean, my God, we could do hours on that alone. So I'm glad, I'm glad that you were able to, maybe that was a shock to the system that was needed. Maybe it wasn't, but either way, you utilize that as an opportunity instead of allowing it again to be the thing that held you down. So how old were the kids when you got out for the last time? Yeah, they were, they were eight months old. My twin boys, I got a daughter now too. I got my, my half daughter, um, our stepdaughter. And uh, I said half daughter. She's your daughter. Uh, she's your human. That's fine. That's what I was going to say. She's my stepdaughter, but she's like my daughter. Like I love her like my daughter and treat her like my daughter. Um, she's 13. Uh, my boys were, she, she was four when, when I went away, but my boys were eight months when I got out and I got my daughter that's just turned four as well. Yeah. So you decided more kids, let's just keep having more <laughs> little humans. I mean, that's great. I've seen, listen, I've seen from the outside perspective, uh, however much you allow the world in on your life through social media, I've seen you show up. I've seen you do cold plunges with your kids. I've seen you go the extra mile and take the time to be present. And that, I mean, that right there, you're not just saying it, you're doing it. And that's why it's going to make a difference in their life. And that's why they're going to look back at what you had in your past. And they're going to say, well, it was not that big of a deal because my dad's here. He'll show me how to not do that. He knows how to succeed after something like that. And if dad can overcome that, then I can overcome anything. Hell yeah. And now we're, you're talking about something that I'm super passionate about. So I'm not perfect by any means. Um, but being a, a, a good dad and showing the fuck up for my kids is something that I, that I, that I make sure I do. It's a, it's a non-negotiable. Um, and it wasn't like that. It's crazy. It, it, is it all right if I share a quick story? Absolutely. Go for it, my friend. Right on. Uh, when, when I, when I got out of prison, you know, made that, made this whole decision to move this direction, um, because I missed out my twin son's birth and I wanted to be there, uh, for them. Well, I get out and then I get into business and stuff and all this stuff. And before I know it, like the first six years of me getting out first six years of their life, I was working 16 to 18 hours a day, six days a week. And like, yeah, we had plenty of time where, where, we, where we had great memories and stuff and times that were present, but there's a lot of times where I wasn't present. I wasn't there. And, um, and I wasn't showing up like a dad needs to show up and that started eating at me. And the beginning of 2021, I went, I literally just, just was like, fuck it, I'm doing it. <laughs> but I ha I did have a team in place and a, and a COO, but I went from 16 to 18 hours a day, six days a week to 16 to 20 hours a week and been doing that for over a year and a half. And I just scaled it back up to about six to eight hours a day, but I'll never go back to that 16 to 18, but I'm fucking there for my kids every day, 4 PM. I switched to dad mode. That's it, man. And I'm with my kids and we're doing shit. Like you talk about cold plunges or something off of the fucking device. Mm -hmm. And we're doing something in real life together, whether it's playing football and I'm coaching their football team, football team or whatever. But, uh, I feel like that's, that's huge, man. Just think this, I, I just think about the impacts of that. And one last thing I want to say, uh, before I, before I pass it back off is also, you know, as I started doing like my, my inner work and healing a lot of my, my unresolved trauma and shit. I became aware that, man, I traumatized the fuck out of my own kids 
um, when I wasn't even aware of it at the time, there, like there'd be times where me and Stephanie would be getting in a fight arguments and like, I'd be so mad where I would break something because I was so mad and want to express my anger, but I didn't think about what kind of effect does that have on my kids where they see their dad screaming at their mom and breaking something, you know what I'm saying? Like that traumatized them, man. And so like that hurt me for a while, but now I know that if I'm showing up now and I'm continuously working on that shit and being the example, they're going to have so much less trauma to clean up whenever they get older than what I, than what I had. So that gives me a lot of peace of peace of mind right there. Listen, one of the best things I always say to parents, whoever asked, they're like, how do you guys manage your schedule? You and Brady, my husband owns a, my husband is a C, uh, CEO. He owns a couple companies that he started. And we learned really quickly that, you know, if we're going to have a human, we're going to have to do this strategically so that we can be present for him. You can't just expect people who, you know, like you said, you have a company, fortunately you were able to take time. A lot of people don't have that. So it's about being smart and being present with the time that you're giving them, right? And mm -hmm. you being self-aware enough to know that that behavior would have had an effect on them. And instead of continually perpetuating that behavior, you're learning from that behavior that not only traumatized in your eyes, your children, but it also taught them something. It also taught them that, oh, dad doesn't act like that anymore. Maybe there was something to be gained and learned from that. And if you didn't have that experience where you got angry or you broke something, you might not have been realizing really where you were at in your healing. You know, trauma shows up in all different types of things. And the way we talk, the way we perceive the world, the way that we eat, the way that we act, it does. It whether we like to admit it, people, the whole new, you know, whole the new popular thing is childhood trauma. Well, th this shit's real. It's always been there when it's, you know, but we've just never, we've never been willing to expose it, dive deep into it and look at it. How is it shaping us as adults? How is it shaping us as humans? And, you know, the one thing I learned um, from my parents, my parents are long haul truck drivers. You know, my dad was on the road for two, three weeks at a time. My mom would be home raising us and they communicated via yelling because that's how they were taught. They didn't learn any better. They didn't know any better. And I do not fault them from that because what it taught me is what I don't want to do. What I don't want to do is I don't want to expose my kid to yelling and screaming. So that's something we just don't do. We don't do it because we understand that's how I knew how it made me feel right. But you only know what you know, but until you have the tools to do better, you can't do better. So it's about equ equipping yourself with the right tools, right? So that sounds like what you've done. You've seen, hey, I don't like this behavior in myself. I don't want to traumatize my kids. I don't want to be that dad. So I'm going to change my behavior. I'm going to do the inner work. And that's where you're at now. So why don't you walk through how you got to that point and how you decided to start doing the therapies you're doing to really progress and bring yourself forward? Yeah, absolutely. There, there was a bunch of like events leading up to it, right? But the one, the 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 events, like the big heavy straws that ended up breaking the camel's back, were at the end of 2020. I had moved out of North County in a in a not so nice neighborhood and not good vibes or none of that, and uh, into into Wentzville, and it was the house that we just moved from, and um it was a nice house and um it was it was big enough to ha lindley could have her own room without having to sleep in the nursery in our closet because we didn't have enough space for it, right and so 
that happened at the very end of 2020. Literally, we, we moved in the day after Christmas because we wouldn't have the last Christmas at our old house. And then the very next month, 30 days later in January, um, I held my first mastermind in Pensacola, Florida, and had 10 entrepreneurs all over the U.S. fly, fly down to this nice beach house mansion that we rented out and held, held a mastermind in. And at that moment, I literally did everything that they said I would never do, and it still wasn't enough. And I was like, what the fuck, man? Like, I got all this external success going like I'm, I'm making the money in the business things are jumping so much momentum all this stuff but I wasn't fucking happy and every time that I would achieve a goal I'd be happy for all but 15 to 30 seconds and then I'd be like what's next and mm -hmm. constantly what's next what's next it was never enough I never felt enough and it was just like moving the goalposts and um, you know, eventually I learned that that came back from me not feeling like I was good enough to be my mom's son and never felt like I was good enough in school or good enough in anything, you know, all these constant patterns of you're not good enough or whatever. Uh, that was a negative cognition that I had. And so um, after after I realized that, man, I'm just moving the goalposts forward and nothing, you know, there's no fulfillment here. Um, I started looking into to this stuff and uh, to to these treatments and stuff. And rewind earlier in 2020 i had an interview with tucker max and he if you go listen to that interview on my podcast the first one um weird is jamming and then about midway through there he i was talking about some shit of how i was growing up he's like wait a minute you just contradicted yourself and i was like i wanted to be like man fuck you you don't know what i've been through <laughs> but i had enough to to step outside of myself and look at it and and that's really started getting me to start thinking about this shit. So anyways, long story short, after I did, after I was at that mastermind, I started looking into therapies and I started looking in specifically for MDMA assisted psychotherapy, studied up on that all of 2021. Then October 5th of 2021, I went and did my first treatment, been the bet, one of the best decisions I ever made in my life. And uh, yeah, I'm about a, a little bit over a year into to that journey. Yeah. And you can definitely see it in the way that you and the content you choose to put out, man, your kids are really involved in your life. And I think that shows, it shows that you want to be present and you're doing the work for it, but you, you're, you know, you're reflecting that and what you put out, you know, you've been, um, <clears throat> especially of late, you've been really taking time to, you know, I don't know, say film or do things where your kid, where your kids are there. And I think that's great. You're bringing them into your life where they're not a part of your life. They are your life and you're showing them that and you're showing them by being present. I just had uh, right before I did your show this morning, I had an individual on, she's a free diver. She free dives in a bikini in the ice. Let me just like mm -hmm. back that up. It's nuts. <laughs> anyway, we talked about, we talked about the importance of being a parent and raising the next generation of thinkers and doers and the real weight that comes with that, the pressures of that. And also being your learning to be your own person, but being an example, being a leader and showing your children that when you have kids, your whole life doesn't end. Your life is just beginning. You're now bringing mm -hmm. children into your life where you integrate them into yours. You got to remember, we chose to have them for the most part, you know, not everyone, but we chose to have them. And so you can't burden them with your problems or say, Hey, I can't go do X, Y, and Z. You need to show them the opposite that you can still go do the activities you love. 
integrate them into it. You can still go learn new things. You can still participate in things and they can be a part of that, but you have to be willing to do that. And sometimes that's a little more uncomfortable, a little more hard work. And it may look differently than you used to have your life before, but you're gotta, you gotta remember we are teaching and growing the next human beings, the next generation. And so they should be the most important thing. They should be one of the things that are being brought into all the cool things you do and teaching them about their health and utilizing cold plunges and going to their sports events and being present for them. So many parents, I see we go to soccer and, you know, again, I'm fortunate. I'm, I'm aware. I'm not a single mom. I've got lots of support with my family. My husband and I, we go to both soccer, we go to the soccer practices. We both go, we go to the games, we go to jujitsu, we watch the activities and we show him we are here. We're here to watch you succeed. We also give him accountability. These are activities you wanted to do. Now you have to do them and we're going to be here to watch you. But so many parents just drop their kids off and leave. Oh. I was just getting ready to get into that as you're talking. So, but yeah. yeah. So like, you're going to drop your kid off. You're going to just give them to a babysitter. They're going to then go, what my parents, they're going to, the parent, the kid is going to think, am I not good enough for you to watch? Did, am I not a good enough player? Do you not care that much about me to be present with me? Because then what's going to happen is those little humans are going to think that. You're not going to think that because you'll be off gallivanting or doing whatever it is, grocery shopping, or just having to get errands done. Don't get me wrong. But if you want to be the parent, you say you want to be, you need to show up and actually do it and stop talking about it. Thank you, man. Especially when you hit on the part where, 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 where oh. parents just drop them off. That grinds my gears. I'm like, you're just going to drop, you just drop your kid off at practice. Like why, like you said, why aren't you fucking there? watching and supporting and showing them that you're there and that you care for them. You know, that's a, it's huge. Well, that's the one thing my mom did. Right. Okay. So I was very lucky that my mom could stay home and both my brother and I were in competitive sports. Okay. So it's not like she just had to bring one. It's like she had to bring us both. And then I got to a point where I was training in the mornings and at lunch and after school. And I, she's carting me around and doing all this stuff. That woman never missed a game. That woman never missed a practice. That woman never missed a training session ever. It was the weirdest thing. The first time I ever fought competitively without her there, it, I couldn't do it. It's like missing a leg. You need the person that's there to support you. And whether you get along with your parents or you, you, you don't want your kid to do that activity. It doesn't matter if they're doing it, show the fuck up and give them your time. You made the human. Don't put the burden on them. Done now. <laughs> amen grinds my gears homie grinds my gears grinds <laughs> all of my gears i just think people should care more but that's listen that's neither here nor there so so you're working on yourself you're doing mda therapy walk me through what that's like tell me tell me how that's been yeah um you know um uh, my whole life i did shit to either like before i turned my life around i would do shit like smoking weed or drugs or whatever to like numb myself out so I didn't have to feel the shit right or I would do really dumb crazy dangerous shit you know that would get me in trouble and potentially could even die in a lot of situations to feel like that excitement right or whatever so I'd put myself in these crazy situations or I would numb myself out and that that was just how I did things and then to to deal with the unresolved shit right and then 
when I decided to turn my life around when in that jail cell, when I learned I was missing out my twin son's birth, none of that went away. All that did was just shift it to positive shit, but it was still there. Right. So I became ultra successful in business and a crazy work ethic and would work crazy hours and, and do this crazy work and, and then have all these wins and stuff because I was chasing that high, the, that excitement of the win of the goal. Right. And then it'd feel cool for all but 20 seconds. I'd be like, what's next? I don't feel like enough. Um, forget where I was going with that. You mentioned MDMA therapy and really like how you got to there and like, what is it doing for? Yeah. 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 No worries. Yeah. So all that, well, when I started doing this healing and stuff, like even though I was doing all that shit, I was always on edge and it was always, there was never like no real release of the, of the shit. Right. And then I did MDMA and man, it's the first time I've ever felt a release in my life. I was like, man, this shit works. Like I felt it. You know what I'm saying? Like everything else before was like either numbing or masking it or whatever. This shit was actual release of that shit. And it felt so fucking good. Um, but, uh, yeah, it, what it's like, um, I go down to Tennessee and my guides there that I meet with and, uh, she gives me the dose and then gives me some blindfolds. And the reason why you have blindfolds on is so you don't have any outside external shit. It, it forces you to go inward and about 45 minutes, the shit kicks in. And what it does is you don't feel bad or anything. You actually feel really fucking good on it. Um, and I know cause I used to do fucking MDMA, but not <laughs> in the right way before. Right. But, uh, <laughs> Different set and setting for that. Right. Yeah. This is intentional. Right. Um, but what it does, though, is it, it it just brings up all those suppressed traumatic memories that you've probably forgotten about a lot of them. Like a lot of mine, I've forgotten all about because my ego just stuffed it down. And, you know, that was what it did to survive and cope in that situation at that time. But um, it brings them all up and you get to feel them. And like you'll have like for me, not everybody's like this, but for me, I have really extreme somatic release, which means like my jaws are chomping like mm-hmm. just like like crazy. And like I chewed up all the sides of my cheeks and shit. So like I had to start chewing on my pillow whenever I'm doing this shit sometimes like calm the intensity down. But the cool thing is as soon as you take the mask off and sit up, the intensity will drop down to like a two. Uh if you need to. I didn't. I wanted to go in and feel that intensity, but I'll have the somatic release through my jaw. I'll have it in my muscles. Like literally you could look at my calf and I could see the muscles twitching and shit. Mm -hmm. Um, The, uh, the, the throwing up and the, and the, and the, and the, and the the pooping afterwards of the, the trauma in your body. Yeah. It's some wild shit, but um, it, it felt, even though it sounded like that didn't feel like good, that shit felt good getting that shit out and going to, going to do it. Of course it does. Energy moves through the body and it, it can get stuck. Like that's something I learned uh, recently at my last eye experiences. You know, I was going through something and I couldn't like, I couldn't crack it. I couldn't crack it to save my life. And I needed somebody to help me work through it. And it was a blockage. It's energy gets blocked. It does. The body keeps the score. It holds trauma. That's it's provable. It's written about. It is. And so you got the book there, don't you? Yeah. The body keeps the score. <laughs> what a great book. What a, what a, great, great book, but it's true. And if you, 
can start healing the body from an energetic level, you will also feel those releases. Like I have a plenty of friends who are like, I never purged during ayahuasca, but they yawn these huge exaggerated, your jaw feels broken after yawns. It's because you're having a release. You're just having a different version of a release than somebody else, you know? So these things are important to do. And working on it and set and setting is so important. I said that on your show and I'll reiterate that again, set and setting is everything. And you're utilizing these tools properly. It sounds like this time. I mean, I've never dabbed a toe with MDMA quite yet. Um, with traumatic brain injury until inflammation is much lower. I stay away from MDMA just because it burns hot in the brain. It causes, it can cause inflammation. So I'm not at the point of needing that quite yet anyway. And I'm not really the person to go out and experience all of the psychedelics just because it's like the thing to do. I, I know what works mm -hmm. for me and I play within my limits and know what helps me grow. Right. I feel like at some point you have to find the, the tool that works for you and, and utilize that tool rather than just keep searching, you know, for something else to fix a problem. I love that you brought that up too. Um, because I, I, I have the same viewpoint of that. Like, ayahuasca is something that I want to do and it's calling to me and it's something that I'm going to do. Um, and I've done the psilocybin and the MDMA and I've done EMDR treatment. Mm -hmm. That's not psychedelic, but EMDR. And then, um, what I'm really looking into because of the body keeps the score book, the chapter on neurofeedback. It's fantastic. Really, yeah. That's calling to me a lot because I have, I do it. I even still have patterns where I'll catch them where I like try and like, I have a pattern that I'm aware of now that I can choose new patterns, which is awesome. And mm -hmm. it's really fucking hard to do right now. Cause I still got the unresolved shit that I haven't resolved yet. But like, for example, with Stephanie, with my wife, a lot of times when we get into our arguments, I would either do one of two things. I would either it outbursts, you know, like it did when I years ago when I'd break shit or whatever outbursts, or I would ice her completely out and disassociate and not feel and mm. not have to feel none of it. And I noticed that a lot in my son Landon does the shit a lot. I could see him doing do, doing shit like that sometimes, like mm -hmm. off in La La Land and disassociating from the from the thing. And so that neurofeedback. Um, getting those alpha waves dialed in and everything, you know, operating the right way up there. Um, really, it, from from my understanding, from reading that chapter on that treatment, from from him talking about that, it really helps out with that. So it's something I do want to dive into. But like yeah. you said, I'm not trying to be a a treatment whore. I just want to find what no, works for find me, what right? works, man. It's like self help people. It's like sometimes people just self-help people. They just keep our looking for the next self-help. It's like, okay, but at some point you gotta, you gotta, instead of just reading the book and skipping over and being like, Oh, I read the book. It doesn't work for me. Well, you gotta take some time and really invest mm -hmm. it into whatever you're trying to do instead of just skipping to the next thing. So I think, I think that's also really important is like, sit with it for a minute, right? Before you start going, like, I want to try all these things. You know, sometimes you just need to sit back and listen, right? We need to listen mm -hmm. more. Instead of just, oh, that didn't work next thing. Oh, that didn't work next thing. Fucking sit and listen. Why isn't it yep. working? So that you can learn. Okay, maybe that's not the thing for me. And this is why. But you never know yep. why if you don't take two and a half seconds to sit down and realize or listen to what's being told to you. Most of the time, I feel like that's the issue. But 
But anyway, um, I digress with the, with these treatments and with things like uh, neurofeedback, I can tell you the community, the veteran community utilizes that tool, um, psychiatry and in the veteran community, there's really great research behind, uh, neurofeedback, heart, heart mapping, uh, things like that. Ayahuasca is a great heart opener. So if you're dealing with that kind of stuff, it's a great, it's a really great modality and medicine for that. And it's powerful. What do you mean by, what do you mean by the heart stuff with the heart, heart opening? Um, yeah. You, you deal with the deep trauma, man. You deal with like the, the, the real nasty, it opens you up emotionally in a way that a lot of things don't. So like MDMA, from what I'm told, is like a big, warm blanket, right? I is not necessarily uh -huh. going to be a big, warm blanket. It's going to be a big mirror of the shit you don't want to look at. If that's what the medicine believes you need to see, that's what that medicine will give you. And it can be yeah. dark, homie. <laughs> I think that's why it calls to me so much because like that, um, the, uh, the, uh, the purge, right. Or whatever. Um, mm -hmm. like you said, the, the MDMA. So, uh, Tucker told me, uh, you know, that that's uh, Tucker Maxis who kind of opened my eyes up to like this psychedelic stuff and healing of really put, put trauma on the map. I didn't know what the fuck trauma was until we had this conversation, but, uh, um, anyways, Cause I was talking to him about, cause ayahuasca calls to me and I was like, man, I want to do this purge. And he's like, he said it, he's like, dude, that's cool. But he's like, uh, you know, doing ayahuasca is like jumping out in the Pacific ocean, trying to learn how to swim the first time. He's like, he's like, I'd recommend starting with this MDMA stuff, you know, and kind of work mm -hmm. your way up or whatnot. So yeah, I feel like I'm at that point now I, I'm getting ready to go do my fourth MDMA session, December 6th. And uh, I feel nice. like 2023 is right for the calling for some ayahuasca to try that out. Yeah. Um, let me know where you're thinking of going and we'll, we'll have a chat about that after you want to be really safe about that and really careful about that. And there's definitely, you know, with, with psychedelics booming, you're getting a lot of backyard shaman. So there is the right people to go for that. Uh, like I said, there's, there's definitely the right people for that. So we'll talk there. Have you, or is it right if I ask you about yeah. one? Go for it, um, my man. Rhythmia or whatever. Have you heard good or bad. And you don't have to answer if you don't want to on the, on the, on the show, but I don't honestly don't know much about them. I don't, but I okay. do definitely have some places and some people that might be, might be good for you. So, okay. I got, awesome. I got you. Um, yeah, appreciate you. No worries, man. Ayahuasca is definitely, he, he articulated that accurately. I'm not sure who that gentleman is, but it sounds like he knows he's, he's speaking about it truthfully. It is it is like just being dropped off in the biggest ocean in the world and saying swim. Like, I mean, it is, I wrote, I, I do some writing after I uh, kind of comes through on downloads and I write a lot and it's the, I wrote one, it's called the depths and it, it really can take you down to some of the most horrific places in the world, but it can also take you to places that you never realized you could feel relief from. Right. Um, and I'll never, I'll never tell you all the stories. That's why I didn't tell you any on the show, because I don't want to jade or color your view of what it can be for you. Because so many mm -hmm. people go into these situations and they go, I want to know how was ayahuasca? Like, for example, we were, uh, last time I was in Peru and we, our group had all finished and we were all leaving the next day and we were in Terrapoto and this, you could see these other white people that were in Peru Westerners, you were like, I know what they're here for. They're the next group after us. And you could tell, you could see the trepidation. And then one of them came over and said, 
how was your, how was your guys's week? Like you could tell we also just finished. And, um, one of our guys, she's like, can I sit down and talk to you guys about it? And I normally never would have done this because I'm just too open. I said, my buddy looks over and I was like, he's like, what do you guys think? And all of us kind of were like collectively like, no, thank you. And not to be rude, not to be cruel, not to be mean, but it's not fair of us or individuals to tell you or put stories on you for, for you to perceive in a certain way. I want you to go open-minded. That's what I would always say is if you're going to go sit with medicine, go be open-minded, set an intention. Don't color your thoughts and your ideas of what other people have been through. That's like one of the biggest mistakes you can make. Oh, ayahuasca is this. Ayahuasca is that. Ayahuasca does this. That's for you to learn. That's for you to find out, to see what ayahuasca is for you. For me, Amen. ayahuasca was a changer, a mover, a, a bringer of life, a healer, and also a horrific, <laughs> horrific mirror. But sometimes it's what you need. And I hold true to that. It is, it is your journey and it'll, it will be whatever it is supposed to be for you. And that's oh, yeah. how, yeah. And that's how it'll end up. And I'm thrilled. I can't wait, man. When you come back on, which you're totally going to, I want to hear all about these experiences in a way that you're not only wanting to articulate, but when you're ready, we are here to listen and we are here to support my friend. I really appreciate that too, for real. I'm, uh, I'm excited. It's definitely, definitely calling to me. So it's definitely going to be in the docket for 2023. I love it, man. I, I love it so much. I love it so much because I love that you're willing to do the work. I love that you're willing to see plant-based medicine as a healing modality that is really making change in your life, because that's what we try to articulate to people is that there's other things out there than just pharmaceutical medication. Physical fitness is something we didn't talk about on your show. I know for you, you're active, you're doing things. So what is physical fitness and how does it play into your life? Um, everything. Um, what's, what's funny is I recently, uh, uh, did yoga for the first time, hot yoga (laughs) and that shit was bomb. Um, it's really awesome because it's, uh, like that stuff, um, in the breath work and stuff, like getting like Mm -hmm. the sensories shit going. Like I didn't know like how much out of tune with my body that I was in, until recently until I started learning about this shit. I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. Kind of am been shut off from my body for all these years and stuff, but starting to feel like tingling sensations in your toes and fingers and shit again, doing, doing stuff. That shit's pretty cool. It helps me get in tune with that. But uh, to answer your question though. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm, I'm like a warrior at heart kind of guy. Like I'm mm-hmm. real fiery, real, a lot of energy. And like, I was scared of losing that when I first started doing this healing stuff, but I realized like, no, it's actually making me more of a warrior kind of fiery type, but I'm also healing my shit and able to go on chill mode too. But I could still, you know, crank on that, that, that at any time. So anyways, for me, that's where I, it's like therapy to me every single day. Like I have really hard fucking intense workouts that make me want to puke and pass out, but it's like a release of energy. And it just, it's, if I, if I don't have it, I notice like I'm in a crabbier mood and uh, agitated more easily and not as focused and not as much energy. But when I do go and do that shit, man, I'm on point, not perfect, but it feel a lot better. Physical fitness is four times more effective than an antidepressant. That is why you feel that way. My friend. Amen. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. You gotta, you gotta expel that energy. You gotta let it out. And it's important. I'm glad that you're doing it. I'm glad that you're seeing it. And I'm glad that you're utilizing as a tool to move forward. And the thing that you said that I just want to touch on before you leave is you didn't lose it. You just mm. gained control over it. Amen. That's the yeah. difference, my friend. That's the it's difference. It's like a, I look at it. Can I say one more thing? Yeah. I look at like, all right. So, and you know, this, my, my theory or opinion on this could change as I, as I learn more and do more work and whatnot. But, um, right now, um, the, the, the book, uh, ego is the enemy. Great book. I get it. It's, it's awesome and stuff, but man, I don't feel like ego is the enemy. I feel like ego can get you in a lot of deep shit, but the ego is necessary for survival. It protects you. And mm-hmm. I, I feel like you need to have a trusting relationship and, having the truth your true self is the commander right and you put that ego as a tool on your fucking tool belt and it helps you you know whenever you are threatened with real threats because that shit still does happen right yeah but it sits there as a tool because you're in control of it right and yeah it can get you in a lot of trouble like i that's a whole nother whole nother oh don't worry we'll get in we'll get into that my friend i promise you i promise you but i will tell you we don't need to kill the ego we need to change the power dynamic with it. It's that simple. Mm-hmm. It's hard work to do, but it is possible. I know you have a hard out time. So can you tell everyone where they can find your awesome podcast? You've got some men, your lineup is impressive from another podcaster from one to another. I know how hard it is to gain guests that are just of the caliber that you have. So I really want to take time to acknowledge that. So can you tell everyone where they can listen, find you and support everything that you're doing? Absolutely. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, the podcast, my social media, um, the podcast services that we offer, the live events that we do, all that is on underdogempowerment.com right there on the homepage. You can check out whatever's for you, uh, whether it is you want to connect or listen to the podcast or come check us out, um, all on underdogempowerment.com. I love it, man. Thank you so much for being on. Uh, This episode will be out soon and everyone else will put everything in the show notes in the bio. Please go give Zach a follow. Seriously, his list is impressive. There's a ton of tools in his episodes, a ton of takeaways, even just listening to a handful of them right off the bat, you're going to walk away with a ton of knowledge, a ton of education on how you can start your life, how you can keep progressing and how you can move to the next level. And I think that's why your show is so effective. So thank you so much for being on Zach. Kelsey, thank you for having me on. I had a blast today. Everyone else, we'll see you all next week.